Welcome to Accounting High. Historically, I've referred to CAS as CAAS, Client Accounting and Advisory Services. I dig it, but we've got to bridge all this stuff together, right? We've got a lot of A's going on here. I know. So, accounting and advisory. I could get behind that because then at least you're incorporating both and you're not just assuming one or the other. Um, yeah. I think Chad Davis says it best, problem solving. Whatever you call CAS, it needs to solve whatever problem your client has and never use the word CAS in front of your client. Never, never. Ron Baker says guiding transformation. He hates CAS. I love that. May I have your attention, please? Welcome to Accounting High. It's freshman year at a brand new school. Here, we have no rules in place as we're on a mission to set our own traditions. So hang tight and learn with us as we grow. At Accounting High, you can expect to gain knowledge in a completely different way than what you may be used to with some fun and oftentimes colorful conversations. Whether you loved high school or you hated it, here's your chance to be a part of an unforgettable experience redone. While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us right now so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And feel free to leave us a five-star review letting us know how the school year is treating you. In addition, share this episode on social media tagging us at Accounting High. So sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session. I repeat. May I have your attention, please? This is another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else? Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show, Scotty and LT. We're going to have a problem here. What's up, homie? How's it going? So I said LT. Some listeners may think that it's just both of my personalities since Lil Toddler is the other LT. I don't think all listeners know that, but this is the real, this is the true LT. You were born. Well, actually, no, let me take that back. Were you born Luke Templin or do you have another name? No, I have another name. My parents want to confuse everyone. Mark's my real name. Mark Luke Templin. Is Luke your middle name? Kinda. Kinda? Did your parents <laughs> really, call you They Luke? really wanted to confuse people. Well, did, do you get confused? Do they call you Mark sometimes? They do not, no. Okay. Growing up, teachers would say Mark at first and you would correct them? No. Just I'm a people them. pleaser. I don't correct people. <laughs> Just right. roll with it. All right. I, well, did it confuse you then over time? Every once in a while, like a doctor or something will call me Mark, and, I, and, I, and it'll take a little while to register. But after that, I'll fig- I figure it out. I have to say my name about twice. Okay. I feel like Mark and Luke are very similar names, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, very biblical. Yeah, yeah, biblical. Um, I was going to say Beatles, but there is no Mark or Luke in the Beatles, just the John. Um, okay, so I don't think I'm going to get biblical today. I think we can we can keep this surface level. We don't have to go too deep. But I appreciate you coming on. This is this is officially 
Luke Templin of A2 Advisors. I'll go ahead and read off your little intro on LinkedIn. So you're guiding entrepreneurs of a million plus service-based businesses to grow profitably using simple proven process so they can focus on what they love doing. Is that any space entrepreneurs? So my main focus is professional services and trade services. Okay. Because it equates really well to what we do in the accounting world. It does. So now accounting, you consider yourself an accountant. Recovering CPA. Recovering CPA. So you didn't renew your license? I have an inactive license. Inactive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, tell me, like, I guess start with, and we don't have to get confused with the Mark and the Luke, but let's just start early days, high school or before that or whatever. How did you get into becoming an accountant or becoming a CPA? Give me, give me that journey. By accident. So early on in my childhood, did a lot of things, random things to make money. And, and a lot of it had to do with eBay. So it was going to the golf course, collecting golf balls, reselling them. Getting on eBay, buying either baseball cards or Pokemon cards in bulk, and trying to resell singles, things like that. So it always kind of sparked my interest in entrepreneurship. And then going into my high school years, we had two family friends that owned businesses. So one of them had rentals and oil rigs and firework stands. So I would help do odd jobs within his business. It was kind of like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Before I ever read it, I was literally working for the Rich Dad. And then the other one was another family friend ran a construction business. Found out really quickly I wasn't cut out for construction. But I, I like the concept of a kind of, all right, here is what I need you to do and delegating it to someone else. So that kind of, those, those few things sparked my interest going in to college. I also had a huge passion for food. <laughs> and this is why I say it's by accident. I had a huge passion for food and a huge passion for technology, mainly around gaming. So I did a lot of A-plus certification, coding, in high school, kind of dabbled, but coding was too mundane for me, so I quickly stayed away from that. I loved food. If if a culinary school had a good football team, I probably would have gone into culinary school, but thank God I didn't in hindsight. <laughs> and actually, the main reason, or the main thing I thought I was going to do when I went into school was become a doctor. My mother was a nurse, and growing up as a kid, everyone in her unit had sons. So instead of take your daughter to work day, it was take your son to work day. And I saw some amazing like arteries being taken out of legs and put into hearts, like that kind of stuff. So like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Wow. So this is very spread across the board here. We've got Selling, entrepreneurship, you got working in construction, you got food, you got tech, you got gaming, you got coding, you got doctor. No focus at all. Do you have ADHD? No I very much do. Okay. Okay. So, so with all that said, going into, so I played football in college. 
and, going in my, and sports Oof. and sports. <laughs> so with all that said, going into my recruit visits, I had, I should add another one in there. Uh, we had auto mechanics at my school in high school. And, and I, so I always kind of like working with my hands a little bit too. So I'd go on these recruit visits. I, I looked at football programs with auto mechanics, construction management, business was, was up there. And, and so was medical. Most of the offers, I was too small, too slow for my positions. So most of the offers I got were either at private schools where essentially your tuition, you'd pay more in tuition to go to one of these private schools with what they called a full ride than you would going to a normal private university. And I didn't really want to go up the JUCO route, although Kansas, I'm from Kansas. Kansas has a really good JUCO program that bleeds into a lot of really good college football programs. So I got an offer at the school that I loved growing up and was a fan of, the University of Kansas, as a preferred walk-on. So they had both a good business school, both med- good medical school. So that's kind of where I landed. My first year there, failed biology. <laughs> <laughs> so there goes the medical Scratch route. Scratch the doctor. <laughs> Real quick. So... I at the same time I'd read Rich Dad Poor Dad and it kind of it kind of dawned on me. Wait a second, that was my buddy's dad. That was Mitch. And so I got this. I kind of got hooked into finance a little bit. So I started doing all the prereqs for business, you know, and some of that included accounting courses. One of the accounting courses they did was kind of like an intro to the profession, and they have a FBI agent show up, start talking about carrying a gun as an accountant. Hmm. That's interesting. And so, but still I had this finance. I discovered Warren Buffett at that time, started really getting hooked into finance, taking like classes on derivatives, things like that. And one of my professors kind of asked me one time, what are you going to do? Are you going to be an accountant? I was like, I don't know. That's kind of seems boring to me, but I really like managerial accounting. And she's like, Luke, you should get an accounting degree. You can always go back and be a financial person. It's really hard to go the other way. So that's kind of what led me into accounting. That and the more and more I kind of got into business and finance, like that's the language of business. Like understanding Mm -hmm. accounting is kind of the foundation of any business. So that's, that's what led me down that path. So that's that running theme. You've been hungry for life from the, I mean, obviously hungry for food too. That's, that's one of your passions, but (laughs) you've been hungry to explore all these things. I mean, I'm sure it crossed your mind to become an FBI agent at some point, like everything, everything was, the world was your oyster. Did you decide that you were going to get the CPA at that certain point when you decided this was finance was your thing? Uh, no, actually. Um, so I, I started down the accounting path, got into the master's program, started doing the, I don't even know what you call that. I called it dating of the firms. I am a, I will call myself a functioning introvert. I hate social events. I absolutely hated the hoops you had to jump through that the large firms were doing. I would do it. And then I finally, I finally got tired of it and I was coming out in 09 
So there were very few jobs. So I actually had a gig lined up at a large medical IT company in Kansas City. I'd already accepted the offer, but ended up doing an internship during my master's program. One, because I could get paid and get class credit for it. And and two, the same person who kind of, the same professor, Lee, that had kind of pushed me down the accounting path said I should at least give it a try. And so I went into that internship already knowing I had a job in the back of my head and was pretty set that I was just going to go and do the gig at the IT company. Well, two things happened. One, the accounting firm offered me a salary way more than the IT company. And two, the way the IT company worked was such a large corporation that essentially you shadowed all these different jobs. And at the end of it, you had to give a presentation on what you learned. And kind of from that, they made a decision. Well, back to the introvert thing. I hated that idea. Yeah. So I took I took the job within the local CPA firm. Interesting. So what did you start doing? Audit? Started out as an auditor. Okay. And did that for about five years. Would you consider yourself a rule follower or breaker? Depends. Depends on the situation. Just following this progression here, and it seems like you've been trying out a lot of things. You get to accounting and audit. That just seems like the most basic of everything, right? But there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of following of that, and the pay is good. Mm-hmm. You were on your track, I guess, to get your CPA at that point. Yeah. Did you find it stimulating? I found what I found the most stimulating was the client interactions. Mm. I I did not like audit work. It was too mundane for me. And to your point, it's too rule based. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I loved learning about the businesses and I loved hated the interactions with the client. What do you mean love hated? So like this, I love talking to you. I love talking to people and learning about kind of what tick, what makes them tick and kind of the presence behind or like what's going on behind the scenes of the business. But also at the end of the day, I was an auditor and an introvert. Mm-hmm. And my job there was essentially to find what they had done wrong to an extent. I mean, some people saw that usually the owner and the CFO saw value. I mean, you're there helping them make sure their their financials are valid so they can get some sort of financing at at some level. So what was the breaking point there? You didn't stay there, right? You were only there for four years? Yeah. So the the I had an offer to go do fraud work within a large regional firm. But so the the kind of FBI thing was always on my mind. You had to be a CFE. I had my CFE. Really wasn't doing any fraud work within this firm. And at the time, it was really hard to get a job directly in a fraud department without being a part of that firm. But I had an offer for it, and I was about to make the move. And my wife got an offer. My wife is also a uh, recovering CPA. Her family owns a construction company here in Omaha. And so her dad was also a CPA and a CFO. And so about that same time, she got a call to 
kind of be his successor. So that that really was what ultimately drove my decision to leave that firm was to move to Omaha. And the fraud kind of ties with the FBI mm-hmm. thing. That's interesting too. The FBI route because I've had I've had another guest on that was on track to join the FBI or to become in the FBI. Sean Duncan. I don't know if you know of him. Similar, but there was a, there was a reason why. What was your reason that you? Uh, unless you're still pursuing the FBI route, I, I don't I don't suspect that's the case. I'm not. Point, no yeah. the the reason then was you had to get the fraud experience. So moving out of out of kind of that world put that on hold and then it you know in hindsight that would be a tough job <laughs> i don't know if i could ever shut off that job no because at the end of the day if your work's not done you know in the back of your mind someone's still out there doing whatever they're doing yeah and so i i had some realization but not the realization i have today around that i would crumble under just the anxiety of all of that just mm-hmm. thinking there's not enough time and I would get no sleep. It was, yeah, that would it, be. It, I can't imagine doing that job. To be honest with you. Yeah. Cool. So, so do you, do you have a, a focus? Once you decided against that, did you know where your career was going? Like, did you know accounting was the thing, or did you just feel like there was something empty or something missing still? Yeah, something empty and missing. So, I thought I never want to go back to public accounting. And is accounting really the right path? And, and I strongly considered, and for a while strongly considered, going and doing something more with my hands, whether that be go learn how to be an electrician, was kind of one that I, I looked at a couple times, of like going back to school to be an electrician. Um, that's an entirely different route. <laughs> what, is, what is going on here? An electrician, yeah, that's definitely working with your hands, but what was it about? electrician or that type of profession like the trait like that's yeah it's it's kind of it all like auto mechanics accounting to an extent fraud like all to me the underlying thing is it's a puzzle i love legos i love puzzles you're you're putting together this it involves problem solving and to me the electrician one i knew they they made good money although Starting out as an electrician is pretty hard work. Sure. But once you learn and, and you understand it, creating a business and trade services, to me, is a lot easier than professional services. And so that that was one thing I had in mind is like, okay, I'll learn how to be an electrician and I'll create my own elect- electrical company. That could be very scalable. Yeah. Okay. And form the right relationships with the right contractors. We have some clients that do very well in that business. Um, you know, there's never a shortage of construct new construction or even improving. So, but I guess you didn't end up doing that. Didn't. <laughs> Obviously keep going on this journey here. Where, yeah. Where I'm just going to take yeah. you down. So back, back to my love for finances. So got a gig in an sec company doing all the sec reporting, which I thought that'd be cool. Get to put together 10 K's, Get to learn the ins and outs of an SEC company. I lasted like six months. <laughs> Little did I know, SEC companies don't change much. 
So I could have literally predicted to you probably what the rest of my life would have looked like for eternity. <laughs> yeah, but that's not you. It's, it's, you, it's you not sound like me. you get bored easy. <laughs> I got I got super bored, and and they had never created the company. They had never had this role just purely dedicated to the reporting, and so they they ran out of work for me to do. And I like the SEC company had a motorcycle shop, so I would do the accounting for that when I didn't have anything for the SEC reporting to be done. So I got bored quick. An opportunity came up for me to essentially be the CFO. My title was controller of about a $20 million landscaping, retail, and construction operation. So I took that. Absolutely loved it because another passion of mine is plants. (laughs) (laughs) You can eat plants. You can eat plants. You can process your own food. Smoke plants, too. You can smoke plants, too. So, so I did that. I did that for probably two years, maybe, maybe three. I loved it. I would have stayed there probably forever if it wasn't for politics. There's two brothers. Company politics, yeah. Company po- family, family politics. Mm-hmm. There's two brothers. One on the business sixty percent. One on the business forty percent. That Egos. does not work. Mm-mm. That's hard. Someone's always fighting for mom's attention. Yeah. So then on to the CAS world. So met a partner. Now, let, let me stop you there. Okay. Because you're the there. only other person, only person who has said CAS to me. Everybody says CAS. I got a beef with this phrase. Not really a beef. Like I just. I do too. It's so broad. But you've chosen to do things a little bit differently when you say advisors, it's spelled a little bit different. You say CAS, you say CAS. I just want to point that out. We'll get, we can keep, get, we'll get to that. Let's go into the CAS world, though. I like Continue. to be different, Scott. That's no, there's no shame in that. That's actually uh, a, a, a so yeah, a theme met, here. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I met a partner and we started talking about fractional controller, fractional CFO work, how that's becoming more and more common within public accounting world. Does that sound interesting to you? Absolutely. It's like, oh, we also see you used to be an auditor. And he's like, would you be able to help with that? Absolutely not. You put me in any audit role, not doing it. (laughs) Yeah. So looking backwards. So you got this hunger to look forward. Hungry for the new. You don't gonna turn your head back. Mm Mm-hmm. So took over, uh, they probably had three and a half, three and a half people doing a very traditional after the fact bookkeeping, payroll, you name it. So I come in, manage that department while also building out a fractional CFO controller offering. How did you like this? This, You're like sort of like a manager, you come into middle management. I love, absolutely love the fractional controller CFO thing. Quickly found out that most of their clients at that level had the accounting. Mm. So then, and, 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 and back on the CAS kind of theme, it was probably two years into me doing this before I'd ever heard the, the, the acronym. Had no clue what it was. I, I knew I wanted to be a fractional CFO. And I ran into an issue where the accounting wasn't, done the way it needed to be done for me to do what I wanted to do. 
And so I started dovetailing into the kind of accounting automation world. Mm. And that's and that's when I discovered it, when I was looking to solve my own problem. It was late 2018? Uh, or sometime in 2018? I know that that's when I first heard CAS, C-A-S. Yeah, it was probably 17 or 18, yeah. Okay. I remember exactly where I was and who was saying it. And I was just like, what the hell is this? I, I always hear these new acronyms. What the hell is this? And they're, basically the response I got was, it's a fancy term for write-up bookkeeping <laughs> like that's that's basically what i got back maybe yeah. it's a little more than that but so all right so we're taking the same wine and putting it in a different bottle we're adding some automations we're doing a little more you know we're gonna we're gonna include accrual based so i guess give me your now at this point give me your definition of cas first define the three letters in my world is client advisory services okay what was and, it in in, in that in world, it was both. Yeah. So I historically have referred to CAS as CAAS, Client Accounting and Advisory Services, mm. because within the confine of that CPA firm for three plus years, we were doing both, majority of which was on the accounting side. A squared is accounting and advisory. Is that your A2? No, A squared actually stands for Ad Astra, to the stars. All right. I, I I dig it. I dig it. But we've got to bridge all this stuff together, right? We've got a lot of A's going on here. I know. So accounting and advisory. Um, I, I, I could get behind that because then at least you're incorporating both and you're not just assuming one or the other. Um, yeah. I think Chad Davis says it best, problem solving. There you go. It's problem yeah. solving. Okay. You're, you Whatever you call CAS... It needs to solve whatever problem your client has and never use the word CAS in front of your client. Never, never. Ron Baker says guiding transformation. He hates CAS. I love that. But solving problems or guiding transformation, right? Mm-hmm. A desired future state, which is the solution of that problem. Um, eventually, we won't use this term CAS because it's too much of a mess in our profession nobody knows what it means inside or out so solving problems continue where where are we where are we going with this did you see a future in this did you see like i want to solve pro you i mean in your mind you saw it as caas yeah but you I also saw it as working directly with people right and yeah being able to have impact and influence what decisions they make and help them make the right decisions to move forward. You're part of that process. This is not like an audience and you know, th this is, this is just, you're working one-on-one -on -one with the client and knowing the impact you have and how you're helping them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To me, it was the best of both worlds. So the, the biggest downfall in the private accounting world to me was I went from a, being a producer to essentially doing whatever I wanted because I made all the revenue to a cost and I hated that. But I also hated busy season and working weekends. And CAS to me was the bridge. It you ha you're the producer, but you have a lot more flexibility the more and more you stay away from deadlines. Okay. Which to go we can go down this rabbit hole, but to me and I saw this a lot in in my first CAS practice is 
I had this I had this accounting team, but they were still doing month end write ups. They were still doing they were still processing manual payroll returns. And so every deadline I would get frustrated because they would set all this recurring revenue that I had started to build up aside because there was a deadline. And I was like, this can't keep happening. But it was there's an inflection point where we were too small to purely dedicate someone other than myself to the recurring work. So deadline driven work is still recurring. Right? It is. The deadline comes back. Over the and deadline over again. comes back and back. But those are all compliance activities. Ten ninety nines. Sure. Payroll still return. has to be done. They still have to be done. So that's that. Not that, after the fact, though, how they were doing it. Not you after don't the fact. Have to do it manually. And, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I probably killed five figures worth of payroll and and moved majority of the clients. Either either you're going on gusto or sorry, we just can't we can't keep doing this because we are charging less than full service payroll that QuickBooks was offering at the time. And like this doesn't make any sense. This is a concierge service. They have all the flexibility in the world because we're doing this and we're charging less than let's just say a below par <laughs> payroll offering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was my firm. It was like $125 a quarter to do all that after the fact. It was super cheap. Um, at one point I took all of our after the fact and moved them all to Zen or Gusto. Uh, mm -hmm. And we still charged for it. We just had them process it in the background for us. Big transformation as all of these tech tools came into play. All of these automations started to happen. You started to see the the broader world out there. That all these deadline driven tasks, simple tasks, can be automated. This is going to lead us into, perfectly into an ad for Growth Lab and automation or AppStream, but or FinDaily, or FinDaily. But we'll we'll get there. Not ready. Not ready for the ad yet. Just shout out. So. Yeah, I mean you're you're stuck in the middle of two worlds, right? You want oh, to yeah. impact the client, you want to do things for them with them versus all the other things that have to be done. So did you did you get frustrated with this? Did you move I did. on? I I got frustrated. Ch change management in a traditional accounting firm is by far the hardest piece. And and it was tough and it was a challenge and we made a lot of progress for it toward it. And then out of the blue, we got acquired by a top 100 firm. Oh, which, which was kind of more change management. Right? Yeah. Which was kind of pulling the rug from out under me. Cause there was talks of becoming a partner, having ownership. And now it's like all that got squashed, but it, it actually turned out good because it, it quickly got around that. I knew this world and so then I started helping the top 100 firm launch Sage Intact, start building out their CAS practice and having it firm wide. Did you see a career in this? Is this what you wanted to do? Like become a partner in the top 100 firm? It, I was kind of 50-50. I saw a career on it and I, and I liked having a huge team to delegate stuff, but stuff would come to my plate that I'm like, I, I don't want to do this. Would never serve this client if it was my own. Okay. And 
and there's i mean in top in any big firm any big organization i don't care where it is it to me the the i don't want to say politics but it's just there's got to be so many processes in place that it's not nimble enough for me to love that so key i just want to go yeah keyword there is if it was my own up until this point you hadn't had anything of your own right so these are just like were these just dreams like eventually one day i'm going to start my own thing or was it just like right there the epiphany of if i was doing my own thing i would not be doing this yeah i still don't think i really had that thought process i wish i did I, there were probably time. There were probably times I had some of that. I was always looking at buying businesses on the side, but nothing around professional services. Okay, just random stuff. That's just all you worked in was professional services, though. Mm-hmm. All right. So did you leave? I did. So I wanted to join the CAS team firm wide, but the partner in my Omaha office didn't want to give up my revenue. So I was kind of stuck behind a rock in a hard place. At the same time, recruiter reached out to me, said, hey, there's this local firm. They want to build a CAS practice. I told them about you. They're interested in talking. You want to talk to them? So I started talking to them. They essentially wanted to build it from scratch. It's very clear, like, I don't want to do the accounting side, just the advisory side. Oh, that's all we do. So I went over there to do that right at the start of COVID. Guess what I became? What did you become? The COVID stimulus expert. Oh, pigeonhole into that. We need somebody to to front this (laughs) PPP effort and everything else. Navigate it. It it was a blessing in disguise, though, because I'm not a huge and this is going to sound funny me saying this, I am not a huge social media person. Have a Facebook, don't really use it other than a few communities like Kelly Parks. I have LinkedIn purely for professional and had used it a decent amount for biz development. Had never been on Twitter. But I was literally the only COVID stimulus person in our office no one else wanted to touch it because it's a huge gray area. The partner, I mean, the partners would have dialogues with me. There was a couple of them that kind of loved that stuff, but they would never get into the nitty gritty. And I was like, I need, I need someone to bounce ideas off that's getting into the nitty gritty. And somehow I, I don't know how, but somehow I was led to Twitter. We all end up getting led to Twitter at some point. <laughs> I was the same as you. I was never on any of the socials. At all. Just like went about my merry way. I was happy. And then somehow the socials found me. Now now I'm a slave to them. But <laughs> yeah. Another story for another day. Mm-hmm. So you found Twitter. Tax Twitter, I assume. Tax Twitter, yeah. And then what? The rest started of history? Ba- yeah, just started bouncing ideas off people, started meeting people, and then this guy just kept popping up in my feed. Jason Stats. Jason Stats. I was like, this is interesting. And he had he had something, it was before Realize had been started, had something about, hey, thinking about building this thing, all these accounting firms are building things in a box, why don't we get together and build together? 
anyone interested in this? So I DM'd him. Yeah, I want into this. Yeah. So I, I became one of the founding members of Realize in this amazing community. And and that's when I started, okay, now I have this community of people that I can bounce ideas off of. I'm I'm still at the same time building a cast. Finally, COVID's somewhat over, starting to get traction. Most from most of what I was getting traction run from was relationships I'd built with other business owners. Gotten up to about six figures in recurring revenue. Partners come to me with a non-solicitation, non-compete agreement. We need you to sign this. What am I getting in return for this? Nothing. We just need you to sign it. <laughs> like, wait a second. I brought. I just brought in six figures and you're going to have me sign this now? Because I was leery about it when I joined the firm because when I left the last firm, I followed it to a T, didn't reach out to my clients. Sure. And and knowing that it, I could probably break it in that it couldn't be contested. But you're not but a rule breaker, not a not a rule breaker necessarily. And so I was you leery about them. that earlier on, but yeah, yeah, I was leery about them because one of my one of my clients told me, Luke, we we felt like you abandoned us, and and that hurt. I was like, oh man, that that's not what happened, but I totally understand where where you get that from so there was a reconciliation process so when this thing came up i was like i don't want to do this again and and i knew i had this community and realized where i could bounce i where i already was bouncing ideas off people and realized was primarily firm owners right it was all it pretty much all was firm owners at that time okay i was probably one of the few people within a firm that was not a partner in realize at the time and probably one of the larger firms at that time too. Okay. So you got the bug. Seeds have been planted. Seeds have been planted thanks to Twitter. Yeah. Thanks to Jason Stats. And Jason Stats. And for any listeners, we got three episodes with him. He was our fifth fifth episode? Fifth that wasn't a stat snacks. That was just a, an early on episode. Sons of CPAs. Uh, yeah. So, for anybody who wants to go deeper, learn more. If you don't know, they're all I, worth listening to. I promise. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some of these ideas develop. So he was developing the whole concept and idea for Finn Daily while we were recording that first episode we recorded. He's talking about his community and how they built out a scorecard to send to business owners and just like the, it was a cohort of people that were building out this concept of what could we automate? What could we do? Mm-hmm. And that's the idea for Finn daily came from. Mm-hmm. He didn't know it then, but that was basically describing what Finn daily is. At that oh, point. for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's dope. So yeah, continue. <laughs> so take me on non solicitation comes to me. I know, I know I have a decent client backing because I, I had everyone I had a relationship with. I had a conversation that, Hey, I'm thinking about doing, I think about going out on my own. Are you with me? They were all in two of my clients, two of the clients I was working on at the time. Didn't have a conversation with them because I didn't hold the relationship. So I respected that. Although I didn't have a non-compete non-solicitation, 
but I knew that essentially the firm couldn't serve them with me being gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so talked to my wife, kind of set aside six, didn't kind of, we set aside six months of my salary, put it into account, had a conversation with an attorney, told him what I was thinking about. He goes, Luke, I wouldn't wait. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, they're in the middle of tax season. It's like, this is going to sound but if you leave now, they're not filling your position and those two clients are coming with you. You wait and do this until after tax season, they're going to fill that position and those two clients aren't coming with you. So he kind of fueled the fire of just do it now, get it over. So I did it. The both partners were on board. They actually wanted me to stay in the firm, have my office out of the firm, and kind of continue acting as a part of them, which I didn't I didn't see a clear separation in how that would work. And they were firm believers in billable hour and I I just didn't want to mess with that. So I said, mm-hmm. No, I'm I'll still be involved and I and I still have a good working relationship with them to this day. But that was that was it. I was out on my own and and off to the races with within I think it the my largest client that I didn't have the relationship with, I think it took two months for them to fully become on board with what I was doing. And and that was that was the start of A Squared Advisors. Hmm. Astral, not astral projection. What is it? Ad Astra to the stars. Ad Astra to the stars. Okay. And was there like a moment of inspiration that came up with the name? Or was it just. So Ad Astra is on the Kansas flag. Okay. I've always liked it, Kansan. My ultimate goal with clients is, is to take them to whatever their ultimate goal is, which is usually they're growing to sell, is typically the ultimate goal. So kind of a play on the words to the stars and then the logo kind of the squared kind of a a play on most accountants being a little squared a little dull a little boring Mm. i didn't see that one yeah i use the squared a lot just for my name s squared and Mm -hmm. i got another rap name that i have tucked away that i'll i'll reveal it some someday cool so at that that was your your first venture into business ownership then or still is like that it is yeah first venture in pure business ownership yeah because when i see you presenting things you you have multiple businesses now right like this is you've got a2 you got fin daily which we can talk Mm -hmm. about that are there any others too or that's just those are the two that's it okay well, my wife has her business, but I I stay out of that as much as I can. Okay, separation of church and state. Yes, right. I said we're not going to get biblical, but um, <laughs> kind of yeah, that could be important. Tell me about this journey with the profit first too. At what point did you start? Exploring yeah, that? so profit first came across my plate when I was at that last accounting firm. The thing I've always struggled with clients is ha- having them understand cash flow more sophisticated clients that get it that as long as you teach them the cash flow statement for the most part they'll understand it but most 
I mean, you can lead the horse to water and the horse isn't going to drink. And so the minute I read Profit First, it just instantly clicked because most entrepreneurs I knew, the main thing they looked at was their bank account. And this and this is why I loved FinDaily too, because it essentially, it, it solved what Profit First is trying to solve in a simpler matter. Mm-hmm. So for those that don't know what Profit First is, if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey, it's the envelope system. It's you have five main op, you have five main accounts. All your money comes in an income account, and then you're setting money aside for taxes, which clients rarely do. Uh, you're paying yourself first, and you're taking a profit out of the business. What you have left over is your operating account. And when you say that to most bookkeeping and accounting firms, they like, oh my God, that sounds like a reconciliation nightmare. Mm-hmm. It can be if you don't have a profit first professional bookkeeper and someone's just DIY or doing it themselves. But really the the four of the five accounts are what I would call sweep accounts. Like that income account's going to zero every month. So the idea is when that business owner only goes and looks at their bank account, they're looking at that OpEx account and real quickly getting a gut feel how much money they have available. Yeah, in real time. Mm-hmm. We had Mike McCallowitz on. I've I've been a fan of Profit First for a while. We do it slightly different. We try to simplify as much as we can and overwithhold on their W-2s for all of our S-Corps, but try to automate as much of that as possible or not necessarily automate, but eliminate the need for five accounts and just have yeah. them look at things differently too. Um, yeah. And I, and I have, I don't think I've ever given the recommendation of setting up the five accounts. I personally have it. I love, I love the allocations, but it can go wrong if, if it's not done correctly. Usually it's setting up estimated tax, having the CPA of my clients set up estimated tax payments. So it's coming out and making sure with holdings of their payroll, if they're an S corp being a little loaded so that money is just out of their mind. It's gone. And then budgeting more on a profit first mentality than setting a budget and, oh, we don't have any money left. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the difference between working for a firm and having your own, because that's a huge paradigm shift. You have it to is. have a mindset shift associated with that. You have to... You mean you're going to look at everything differently. What makes you think that you could help a million plus business owner? Like, at what point did you focus on this is my target market, this is my clientele, these are the people I can help? And then did you ever have any kind of imposter syndrome doing that? Yeah. So I've kind of develop that you'll hear a lot of people say you need a niche which i think starting out i disagree with because you don't i really would have never been able to tell you my niche without doing what i did within accounting firms and figuring out what i didn't like so i found out quickly i don't like bookkeeping i have nightmares from doing inventory being a controller cfo of a landscape operation that has live inventory like so I, I found out what I didn't like. I found out what I was passionate about, and that is killing the bill of our hour. hour. We talked about Ron Baker a lot, but I love all his work. And, and so that translates really well into the service industry, whether it be professional 
or trade services. I understand construction well because I worked in it. My wife owns a construction company. It's a it's a little different than professional services, but it's not that different. And I like it a little bit more because you can win quicker. There's there's less sophistication in the trades than there are in the professional services. And so that's kind of where I developed that. I don't know if I've I've had more post imposter syndrome talking about what I'm doing and trying to help others than I have actually helping entrepreneurs, which is weird to me because I've spent seven plus years in this industry doing this. Mm -hmm. But trying to sell it. Trying to sell to the client. Yeah. Is that, Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any issues there. I mean, my main goal and how I sell it is I'm here to help you gain, to grow your profit and I I feel I can do that if you listen to what I do and kind of follow my process. Grow your profit, solve problems. Mm-hmm. That's the CAS part, right? Yeah. Solve their problems. So did you start out with those two clients? Was that the... No, so those two clients, I had an additional... I had an additional four to begin with. Okay. So you had then, some kind so of So I had base. six out the gate. Did you have any employees at the gate or anybody else helping? No, I did not. Just myself. Do you I do. So I have a part-time contractor that I've worked with at a, another CPA firm, and then I have a full-time contractor in the Philippines. Dope. Okay. Now tell me about this simple proven process. Yeah, that... That really is, originally that was supposed to be profit first, but mm-hmm. I a true profit first, I don't really follow that. But at its core, it's the process is starting with an assessment. So it's going through the accounting systems, looking at historical revenue, cost of goods sold, margins, and making recommendations on improvements there for either myself or someone else to revamp the accounting and also taking a look at pricing. And then going forward, most of what I'm doing is either monthly or quarterly checking in with whoever's in charge of the accounting. More of a, I'd call that part more of a, like a fractional controller role. Checking in with them, going through any to-dos I had, like, hey, this doesn't make any sense, you need to fix it, or they're stuck on something. So helping that, that bookkeeper or accountant get unstuck. Do you build out a financial model? Or are you- I do, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I should back up. After the assessment process, it's building out a budget and then also getting in a, a rhythm of creating a forecast. And so that's at some level creating, helping the client create, most of them don't have a pipeline that they're tracking. So helping them put together a very simple pipeline that at least is taking care of the knowns. So here's who we have committed and then working in the future on, okay, here's, you know, we went and presented at this conference. We got this amount of leads. What are those? Like, what's the conversion rate on that? That takes time to develop, but that is part of the process. Are your clients... And they're all professional services, but 
do you see any industries that you like working with or give me a, an idea of the mix? Yeah, I really like, so my mix currently is all over the board. So my largest client is a research doctor, which is interesting. He has mm, four or five different businesses that span all kinds of things. I have two e-commerce clients that I, I enjoy working with, but I probably wouldn't, I would not take on another e-commerce client. Okay. And then I have two subcontractors in different trades and then a client that specializes in succession planning and then an IT client. Um, am I missing anybody? What are the average, what does everybody pay you monthly? Um, so my average right now is, I'm looking this up. Just shy of three grand. It's not bad. And are you, this is a tr subscription? Subscription, yeah. So it's a monthly fee. Monthly fee. On my largest client, it's bi weekly, just to split it up. So it wasn't as large as a cash flow impact. Well, considering you're helping with cash flow, that's <laughs> yeah. probably a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. You're not doing taxes, obviously. Mm -hmm. Not a lot, not, nothing deadline driven then. Not at all. No, I avoid, I'm allergic to deadlines. I avoid them. What does success with this look like for you? What are you marching toward? Yeah. So really I see my firm kind of maintaining a lifestyle. So I, I try to have what I call living Fridays, whether that's spending time with my girls, playing golf, spending time in the outdoors. So I've, I've moved my current firm to a wait list where I won't bring on any new clients. I've I've kicked around the idea of building out some sort of contractor model of helping CFOs get started and build clients. Uh, but I kind of put that on the wait, kind of on the parking lot and really am kind of geared toward one to many. Mm. So with Finn Daily, having a SaaS app started just launched a course for accountants on my assessment process Let's in January. What is Finn Daily? So I've done it for a second, but let's so uh, Finn. So yeah, we've talked about it a few times. So Finn Daily is what I would call a push notification dashboard tool. So it connects right now with QuickBooks Online and Zero, and then it also connects to banking data via Plaid, and has a beta connection with Zapier. So you can pull in KPIs and OKRs out of an Excel document or a Google sheet, things like that would be use cases on the Zapier connection. So the idea is you can bring in all this data into one email. And if you want to, you can, I, w I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but you can push it to your client on a daily basis. I would recommend a weekly basis whenever you finish updating the accounting. And so the idea is, and what, and why profit first kind of registered with me is the pain of accounting is more significant with the accounting firm and the tax team than it is the owner. In my experience, most owners have put the pain of accounting aside. They don't look at it because it it's painful and they just go look at their bank. They log into their bank account every day. And so it, it's two things. One, it, you can save the business owner time by just simply giving them those balances 
via an email every day. No longer have to log in. But two, it's putting that information in front of them to remind them that your accounting is and you need to do something about it. Because the issue that most account or most business owners run into is they go into that bank account. Oh, I have a decent amount of money. I think I'm going to go buy XYZ. They forget to realize that, oh yeah, I've got all these bills and checks outstanding or I've got a ton of stale AR that I need to go collect. And so that's the idea behind FinDaily. It was originally created actually for cast teams doing bill pay. So what Jason realized, and this was created within Realized by Jason Stats. And so what, what Jason was originally trying to solve is his cast team was spending all this time going out, checking the client's bank balance, then going out and running couple reports within QuickBooks are zero before they ever paid bills. So the idea was, here's this email that gives you all the information you need. Now you can just go pay bills. And he didn't want to run a tech company. He didn't, he turned this into an app. Yeah. So it, he realized that it, it, it solved a bigger issue than he originally imagined. He just wants a small, he wants to solve very small problems. I don't know if you've seen his scanning app, forgetting the name off, off the top of my head. I think it's called like ScanRight or something like that. And the whole, the whole premise behind that app is tax and accounting firms, they'll get, I'm sure you've seen it, a JPEG that's not that great to put into a work file. And so it's either you go back and request client redo it because they've skipped your portal process. They said, screw your portal. And so the app literally will take that JPEG and make it a nice clean PDF for you to put in your accounting file. So he wants to small solve small problems like that for accountants. And, and so when he realized Findaily was more than it, than that and QuickBooks changed some of their API. So it needed redevelopment. That's when he was like, I'm done with this. He was just going to kill it. And I said, no, I, I'm going to buy it from you. Mm. So now you are a double entrepreneur. <laughs> You've got two businesses taking your lifelong knowledge to get there. And this Finn Daily, is this your one to many? Is this what you're going to market to? The it's world? one of them. Yeah. One of them. We'll see. So we'll see where your, it takes me. This is now full circle back to eBay, where it's like I got golf balls, I got baseball cards here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see where all this goes. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. It's the focus, though. Having focus and can, like, so you've got your firm. You probably could use Fin Daily for those clients. Are you? Oh yeah, I'm using Fin Daily for all my clients. Yeah. Are you planning on marketing this to accounting firms to use with their clients? Yeah, so mainly accounting firms, just because the way FinDaily's pricing works is it's cheaper the more account email profiles you set up. And so like an entrepreneur, one company could have two to three, maybe even five profiles in it, depending how large the company is. But most of them are just going to have one. So it's it's a way for accounting firms actually to generate some more revenue. Because like when anytime I have an app that I'm essentially reselling through my firm, I'm always charging what the entrepreneur would pay it directly. I don't care what volume discount I get. They're going to pay market rate because that's what they would have paid. And you can brand it. So you can put your firm label, your firm logo, colors, 
whoever you want to be in charge of that client on the email. So it looks like it's coming from you. Mm -hmm. I also, my wife's a, a member and entrepreneur organization. So I will put entrepreneurs on it mainly to get insights from them on what they want to see because accountants and entrepreneurs typically see things differently. And ultimately the entrepreneur for the most part is going to be the end user, whether it's coming from an accounting firm or directly to them. Mm -hmm. It's easier to manage that through mm -hmm. the accountants. So accountants are starting to look more like entrepreneurs, at least in, in my world or my view, I'm starting to see more and more accounting firm owners start thinking like entrepreneurs. That's, yeah. that's going to take a lot of getting out of the work, getting out of the day to day for them to start doing that. The process we used was EOS. Um, Love it. Yeah. That's, I could see that working with this too, because we do a scorecard with our mm -hmm. EOS and we're manually updating that scorecard in a Google sheet every week. I've wanted to automate that for a while. I think that's probably the case. We can get That's our... very high on the list. Most of my clients operate on EOS and I operate could, on a yeah. scaled down version of EOS myself. Yeah, that's that's the simple proven process. That's what that evolves into. Like profit first is great, but EOS is an actual process for your whole business. It is to run yeah. to help you get out of the business. Like this is, I think I, you know, I need to talk, start talking about that more because that's what has helped me get to where I'm at with my firm was EOS. I can attribute almost all of it to that. Mm -hmm. And then now if we could automate that scorecard, that would be dope. You could have templates or things that suggested, you know, that others use too. Um, it's a pretty big future in that just, just oh, yeah. using it EOS for accounting firms and helping them start thinking more like entrepreneurs. So there for isn't sure. that disconnect because once an accounting firm owner starts thinking like an entrepreneur, they could sell it better to their clients that are entrepreneurs and they could relate to that more than just having that disconnect of, well, the accountant wants this, but here's really what the entrepreneur wants. So I think EOS is that bridge because accountants like systems. We like things that just work and that's why EOS resonated with me was, okay, this is, there's a map, there's an outline on how I can get here. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but it took me about four years to get to that whole, just sitting in the visionary seat. So mm -hmm. that's dope. Well, cool. So you've got your, you got your business now, you got your entrepreneur hat on. What's the biggest difference in life now compared to working for somebody else than working for yourself? Yeah. The biggest thing is doing what I want. Freedom. Freedom, 100%. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that will come across my plate and I'll just be like, yeah, I would have tried everything I could to land this client in a CPA firm, but this is just not a fit for me. So you realize it's not just about the money. Oh yeah, 100%. Takes a lot of, you know, I guess people start to realize what money means to them once they start to have the freedom mm -hmm. of choice too. I have too much freedom right now, but I also, I'm a slave to myself and my own ideas and to what I've said yes to and everything that I've got on my plate that I feel like I also imprison myself. That's a whole nother story for another day. But there's a, you know, some people have that endless hunger. You know, it sounds like you've, you've managed to, um, what's what's the word like your belly's like full and you're not as hungry for all of these different things that you were at a younger age mm -hmm. how do you get there 
How do you get satisfied? <laughs> it's hard. You got to remind yourself. I mean, if you constantly want more, I mean, that that is, to me at least, that is a road to unhappiness if you're never satisfied. And it's a fine line because I, I, I think if you don't have a thirst for something, then boredom's going to set in. Okay. And I think that's, that's what I try to balance now is that reaching to grow. That's the more that I want is the growth mm-hmm. personally, professionally from all aspects of life. But also like I get bored very easy. Can't be doing the same thing. I'm trying to learn to appreciate and be grateful for the things that are, but also see the things that are soon to come. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to balance that. It's hard <laughs> to prioritize. When you have too much freedom, it's also hard to prior- set your priorities too, mm-hmm. which I think is great that you've set your priorities for your family too, and you've got those Fridays available to do those things. That's great. I was given a very sad reminder by my college professor. You want to hear a sad story? Yeah. Well, you've got it all set for a sad story. I, all black it. everything. Yeah, this is a... So Let's my go. my finance professor Mark Hershey, one, probably one of the most impactful professors that really got my mind hooked on investing and just life in general. He would always he would always jokingly tell stories like he never had any fun. He wouldn't go out to he wouldn't go out to drink with his friends because he was always putting the money back into the market. And the whole reason for him putting money back in the market was his end goal, his end vision was he wanted to be able to fly his family anywhere in the world on Christmas and Thanksgiving break, things like that. And so he was forgoing the now for this future vision. Well, unfortunately, about a year, two years after I graduated college, Mark had, I think it was pancreatic cancer. And I mean, it just came on quick like this and he was gone. And so that quickly realized like, okay, you got to live in the now and also kind of be forward thinking too. Like you can't sacrifice everything and have no fun for a future that you're not guaranteed. That's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome what happened, but it's awesome that you had that realization because a lot of people live their lives on what's going to happen after a lot mm-hmm. of tax preparers too they think they're struggling through all of this for that future state of i'm going to be able to sell my firm i'm building the equity and growing this firm and i'm growing my top line so i can turn around and sell it and they're mm-hmm. suffering in the meantime yeah yeah and then i had another reminder the sec company the former cfo he would come back and kind of work part-time and I developed a relationship with him and I was like, why, why are you still doing this? And he was like, well, Luke, when I uh, retired, I thought I just play golf every day. Well, come to find out when you get old, you can't play golf every day. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was the big mindset shift I had at some point was I want to enjoy my days. I want to, while I still can, you know, but that's, you know, that's, that goes with trying to find ways to reduce the things that you're doing now and stop doing the things you're doing now. You, you never really had the 
firm that you grew to a point where then you had to change. You didn't have any change management with your firm. Yeah, that's what I loved about it. Sorry, my camera just died. <laughs> it won't let me switch. That's all good. That's all good. That's but all yeah, good yeah, with my firm, very. I mean, there's still some change management with clients, just getting them to try do, to do different things. But it's it's not as frustrating as it is within an accounting firm. And one thing, if if I were to bring on any new client, it's really looking for someone that's open minded and open to change. Because change is hard. Yeah. Well, change is constant. Change is forever present. Mm-hmm. So now that your camera's out, I'm going to lead us into simple tasks. So as, as you found, automations are key to getting out of a lot of those repetitive tasks, the things that are dragging you down. A lot of firm owners don't have the time to listen to the Automation Town podcast to learn about all the things they could automate. They, you know, maybe they just don't have the time to try and figure out what there is to automate at their firm. So we've got AppStream powered by the Growth Lab coming in to save the day to uh, figure out what they can automate at their firm. And if you want to learn more, listen to this little wrap I put together for them. I think you've heard it, Luke. But It's dope. And Dan's uh, dope. Dan is dope. Guys at Growth Lab are dope. And I'm going live with this. Let's. Simple task rule everything around me. Simple task rule everything around me. AppStream for accounting. Powered by the Growth Lab. I grew up with dial up and write up. Manual entry in a ledger with a 10 key. Enter high speeds, new countless technologies. Allow to move up to the cloud with ease. A young noob was proud that I found new ground. Find ruin pride, it went upside down. Cleaning a mess was no fun. Fixing up this one and that one. Disconnect apps that don't run. But this was just a dream for the team at the app stream. Automating simple task accounting and running up our margins. Doing it with carbon. Making more client time for charging. No question trade high speeds for synced apps indeed. The combination made my mind free. No question automated workflow was fully hosted solving pain points and file storage onboarding forever better no damn human error more client time means more cheddar trigger connections in your account so get with the growth lab click and go all out connecting teams from cross seas automating these app streams seize opportunities eliminate save time it's like amazon prime pick a cow automate now Simple task rule everything around me app stream for accounting powered by the growth Lab. Simple task rule everything around me. App stream for accounting. Powered by the Growth Lab. It's been 12 long hard years and I'm still hustling. Despite the juggling, headcount doubling, reshuffling, struggling. Time spent only growing top line with no regard for the team state of mind. A pandemic hit, dude. Exposing systemic issues. So academics I pursued. Converged my passion with my purpose. Problems resurfaced. Stopped doing what didn't serve us. Got nervous on a mission. So we made an app purchase a new addition omission erase tradition that's when i found ignition now race transition outpace competition automating proposals and receiving payments all adjacent apps are fully integrated frustrated it's so damn complicated educated me on this and that jason stats davis chad just pitched us integra mat and now i'm automating
mating with the greatness of make. Creating space so I imitate rappers, making me happier. I couldn't have done it without Zappier. Faster and scrappier, I dream of new things, renewed esteem. Then I cream my jeans when I found the Supreme Team at AppStream. Automating simple tasks, now let's get you up to speed. Initiate a bill pay, you'll see. You take attached PDF from Gmail, extract with the text. Recognition in 2G sheets, then export it into Veeam. Create a jetpack task from Slack and then back, or a dial pad text. Fetched and batched as a carbon task And that's real elimination of a manual conversation Take information from HubSpot to Dropbox to Ignition It's a new sensation Only cost $1,800 per integration For all your custom workflow automations Simple task, woo, everything around me AppStream for accounting Powered by the Growth Lab Simple task, rule everything around me AppStream for accounting Powered by the Growth Lab Simple task, rule everything around me AppStream for accounting Powered by the Growth Lab Simple tasks So, had quite a few shout-outs to the mentions in there during the episode too. I know we talked about Chad Davis, Jason Stats, Zapier, and a few others. For sure. That Bridging that rap is awesome. Thanks, homie. Well, uh, yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for joining me this week. And I hope to see some big things happening with this Finn Daily. I see I see clear vision to make this like the EOS plugin too. I think that'll be dope. Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, how can our listeners find you? How can they learn more? I know you're on the socials now. Yeah. Twitter Twitter's the best place to find me if you want to learn more, more about CAS and my journey. So it's at Luke underscore Templin, L-U-K-E-T-E-M-P-L-I-N. All right. Dope. We'll see you in the, in the Twitters. Thanks, homie. Talk to you later.